This is Long Story Short from the Connecticut Mirror and WSHU Public Radio. I'm Eban Udama. It's a new year and a new chapter as Connecticut's Public Utilities Regulatory Authority, Pura, attempts to tighten state control of rate hikes. Connecticut has some of the most expensive electric rates in the United States. We have a grid that is old and a little creaky, and there are more demands being placed upon that grid every day. That's Mark Pazniokas, Capitol Bureau Chief and co-founder of the Connecticut Mirror. He'll give us a behind-the-scenes look at how Governor Ned Lamont is leaning toward changing the dynamic at Pura through its chair, Marissa Gillette. With a podcast out there on whatever you're into, the news of the day may not always be your first choice, I get it, but with the WSHU podcast, After All Things, you'll be up to speed on the latest from Connecticut and Long Island in less than 15 minutes, so you can stay informed and get back to listening to what you love. Listen to After All Things with me, Sabrina Garone, weeknights wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Mark. Uh, Could you tell us about Marissa Gillette and how different from the norm her chairmanship of Pura has been? You call her a disruptor. Well, the mere fact that we're talking about the chair of a public utilities regulatory authority, I think, says something. That these folks generally operate behind the scenes. This is kind of a quiet backwater of of state government. But that has not been the case with Marissa Gillette. She is a disruptor by design. And what that means is she has come in and made some fairly uh, dramatic changes at the state uh, regulatory authority. And she also has been advising the General Assembly about changing the statutory framework about how uh, electric, natural gas, and water rates are set in Connecticut. There's been a lot going on in this world, uh, in Connecticut and in nationally, and she's been a, a major player. She really has made the review of the utilities and their expenses uh, a very different endeavor. She has been very strict gone into great detail. Um, These are very complicated uh, businesses, not just in their operation, but in their interaction with other jurisdictions because of the way electricity works and the way it's regulated. It involves, you know, state, federal, and even regional aspects uh, because Connecticut does not directly regulate the generation of power. All that Eversource and Avangrid charge us for really is the delivery of electricity to our homes. Uh, The electricity itself, the price is set in a competitive market. But in any event, the backdrop is, you know, there's a lot of interest in anything having to do with electricity because Connecticut has some of the most expensive electric rates in the United States. We have a grid that is old and a little creaky and there are more demands being placed upon that grid every day and including the fact that you know there is state and federal policy that is encouraging a long-term transition to say electric vehicles so there's a whole lot going on in what used to be this little quiet world and routinely they'd have rate increases granted pretty much on a routine basis but This last year, we had some setbacks for some of the utilities. For instance, Pura denied Aquarian, a water company, a $35 million increase. 
that they were seeking. That sent shockwaves, right? Did it, did it not? It did. Not only did they reject the requested increase, they cut the existing rates. So they cut the revenues to Aquarian by $2 million. So not only did they not get the $35 million, but they walked away from the table with less money than they were getting before. And that did send a shockwave throughout the industry. United Illuminating, now owned by Avangrid, they came in looking for more, you know, north of $130 million, and they ended up with a $22 million increase. And, th and there's actually more that goes on here because... It gets very complicated. They talk about the return on equity and the percentages there, and they didn't get what they wanted there. And Marissa Gillette's position is, because these are regulated monopolies, it is the role of Pura, the Public Utilities Regulatory Authority, to act instead of the free market. And what that means is the utilities have to meet their burden for justifying their rates. And she has been much tougher than we have seen in Connecticut in a long, long time. And so that has set up a lot of conflict. Uh, there has been some quiet lobbying by the utilities on the governor's office to either get her to back off or perhaps don't reappoint her. So her term ends in March, right? It does. And it's not automatic that the governor will reappoint her. No, Connecticut is unusual in the sense that people serve on Pura for long, long periods. The average term of a utility regulator around the United States is somewhere between three and a half and four years. So Connecticut is really the outlier that there are three commissioners right now. Two of the three are former legislators. Jack Betkowski has been there for 26 years. Michael Karen has been there for 11 years. And Marissa Gillette is the only one on the authority who is not a former legislator. She comes to Connecticut from Maryland, where she was a lawyer with their utility oversight group. And so there's been a conflict ever since she has arrived between her and her two commissioners, between her and the regulated monopolies. And so, again, it has been very unusual. What's the governor's position in all this? Because he recruited her. He, he wanted to bring someone in from the outside. And he sought her and he brought her in. What's, he did. He, what's so his he, position now, considering that he's probably getting a lot of lobbying from the utilities? So he has been watching this for the better part of a year. And he has great options here because Betkowski and Karen are serving on expired terms. You stay in office until and unless the governor names his successor. So he has been um, watching trying to decide what to do with them. That, of course, keeps them on a short leash because they have not been looking to rock the boat in recent months because they are vulnerable. But the governor also has the option under state law to expand the authority from three to five members. And that's really what he's looking at doing. So the, the big question is, with these two new people that he will nominate or likely nominate, is he going to be looking to strengthen the hand and strengthen the approach of Marissa Gillette? Is he going to be looking to moderate perhaps her approach because he has been uncomfortable with some of her rhetoric? She has described herself as being quite comfortable with being in an adversarial position regarding Eversource and United Illuminating. And the governor has said, look, your job is to make sure we're getting, the ratepayers are getting the most bang for their buck, but you are not a prosecutor. You are more like a judge. 
Marissa Gillette pushes back a little bit on that point because in her view, they are not just a judge that sits back and presides over a rape case, that they get to ask questions. They get to ask and act a little bit, in fact, like a prosecutor. They get to probe. They get to do a cross-examinations. And the governor has let this go on now for months and months and months. So people are really looking to see him kind of nudge this in one direction or another. Wall Street has been very rattled by Connecticut's uh, approach and by Marissa Gillette's approach. The stock prices of Eversource and Avangrid are down, you know, 25% or more over, over the last year. You know, one of the criticisms from Wall Street is she is so tight with the oversight of their finances that she is making it more difficult for them to get the capital they need to modernize the grid. So those are the tensions that are going on here. And things, you know, your listeners should know is people are going to say, well, geez, if she's being so tough, why, why isn't my electric bill so high? And again, the major reason is Connecticut only has control over a relatively small portion of the electric bill. What the part that is regulated, again, has to do with the distribution of the electricity and the actual price of the generation of the electricity is set on a competitive market. And, you know, most people don't know, and quite frankly, they don't care. Their electric bill is their electric bill, and that's what they want to see come down. Especially considering that in the past few years, we've had uh, some problems with uh, power outages, serious power outages that have taken quite a while to fix. And because of that, there's a performance metric that the uh, utilities have to comply with now because of legislation that was passed. Uh, could you just tell us a little bit about the dynamic between trying to get their, recover their costs and get their costs covered and having to deal with these performance metrics that have been put in place. So these things operate on parallel tracks. So you have rate cases and the idea of performance-based regulation or rate making is still being developed. And they hope to finish that this year to have, these are the, the standards that if you exceed, you will be rewarded. If you fall short, you'll be penalized. So that has to do with the rates. Now, to what you're talking about, performance in preparation for storms and then after storms, that has also been an issue here. Tropical storm Isaias was a turning point in Connecticut. Eversource in particular was criticized for underestimating what was coming. The blackout was massive. There were fines imposed on both uh, United Illuminating and Eversource. But more importantly, it quickly prompted the General Assembly to pass legislation that toughened what Marissa Gillette and her colleagues couldn't do. And it also formalized the transition to performance-based regulation. So there's a lot going on here all at the same time. But it does amount, in the view of the industry, it amounts to the same thing, which is Connecticut is becoming a tougher place for them to operate. Consumer advocates say, great, it's overdue. They should be closely examined and they should be made to meet higher standards than what they've been made to meet in the past. I like what something that uh, Marissa said. You know, she said the thing about it is that Connecticut is from the investor's point of view, might be the worst, but actually it might be a leader in what the future for, <laughs> might be for the way uh, utilities are regulated. 
Absolutely. When analysts say Connecticut has one of the worst regulatory environments in the United States, Marissa Gillette is very quick to say the worst for who? Maybe she should have said for whom, but in fact, <laughs> her point is, it's yes, for investors, this may not be the greatest place, but for consumers, they are doing their best to make sure that the utilities are uh, reliable and that the prices are limited to the extent they can be in Connecticut. And again, as I said before, there is a limit to what regulators can do here. That's the one area in which Marissa Gillette and the CEOs of Eversource and Avangrid agree that there's only a relatively small portion of your electric bill that are in the control of those two utilities as well as the utility regulators. So bottom line is that we're not going to see any sharp reduction in our rates in the, in the future. I'm afraid not. Thank you so much, Mark. Long Story Short is hosted by me, Ebon Udana, and produced by Molly Ingram. Harriet Jones is our editor. WSHU's Alicia Dodario and the Connecticut Mirror's Gabby Benedictus are our digital team. This podcast is a collaboration between the Connecticut Mirror and WSHU Public Radio. We go behind the scenes at the home of public policy journalism in Connecticut. More can be found online at ctmirror.org and wshu.org. Our episodes can be found wherever you get your podcasts.